As Jesus Christ reaches adulthood, two childhood best friends break up, one a Jewish prince, the other a Roman tribune newly appointed to the region in which they grew up. When they have a disagreement, the tribune exacts his revenge when an unfortunate accident happens. He throws the prince in jail along with his innocent mother and sister. The prince stews over this betrayal while serving as a galley slave and due to the kindness of strangers, rises from the ashes to seek vengeance upon his formerly beloved friend. My name is Valerie Higgs, and this is my cinematic bucket list. first episode of my cinematic bucket list and I'm very excited to be here today. My name is Valerie Higgs. I have been watching movies my entire life uh, as most of us have. Some good movies, some bad movies, <laughs> uh, but I decided to do this as an exercise for myself really I just wanted to watch the movies that are considered the greatest of all time. It's something that has been on my bucket list for a long, long time. And I'm finally getting around to doing it, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's a big project, and I feel like just watching the movies and going on to the next movie isn't enough for me. It's kind of an exercise for me. To, you know, really think about what I'm watching and talk about it a, a little bit and write about it a little bit. Just to have something uh, to do on the side. You know, a little hobby is how I'm looking at it. I have done podcasts before. I have also been the voice of a podcast for work. So that's kind of cool. So I already know kind of what I'm doing. Uh, I've never thought about doing one by myself before so this will be new I expect to have other people on the podcast here and there so it won't just be me talking uh, people who love movies as I do all different types of movies who have been struck by the film industry and I always said you know if I were in a different life or if one thing had gone in a different direction I think I would be more involved in film than I am now which is not involved at all. <laughs> I'm a musician, uh, I'm, I'm an administrative professional as my full-time job and I love watching movies, I've always loved movies, old movies, old movies, new movies, you name it. So I'm looking forward to this little project of mine. Let's see if I could get a couple seasons in and see about 100 movies. That's what I'm aiming for. It's really the AFI list and the BFI list, which is 200 movies. But if I could see 100 movies before getting tired, I'm, I think that will be a success for me. So I decided to start from the top of the list. 
of the AFI, the American Film Industry List. The number 100 position is Ben-Hur, directed by William Wyler. Uh, What's funny about this movie, I remember seeing it when I was a kid. But also, I kind of put off watching this movie. I had said, this is going to be episode one. This will be the first episode. Turns out this is the third episode that I'm recording. (laughs) And it took me a little while to get into it because this movie is three hours and 42 minutes long. Now, I don't mind long movies. I've seen Lawrence of Arabia a million times. I've seen these big epic movies Uh, You know, while growing up, I'm not against it. In this day and age, though, with social media, the distraction is real. And I'm really, I was nervous that I would lose interest. Uh, But I only did for a brief moment, got distracted by Facebook, uh, and then turned my attention right back. So I am pretty happy with the success of watching this movie and I shouldn't have put it off so long uh, because it's really a great movie. Um, When I was a kid, as I mentioned, I saw the movie and I guess I liked it. I, you know, I didn't have any bad memories about it from what I recall. Uh, And I remembered certain things about the movie, but I didn't remember how it all hung together. I remember the chariot race and and the lepers and Jesus sort of yeah so it was good to see it as a full-grown adult with adult eyes just watching from the beginning and really paying attention to what was going on so uh, I want to start by saying again I am a musician on the side so the scores to, to the films They mean something to me. I have favorite composers of films. And this one had a proper overture, just like the old movies back in the day. Um, Fortunately for a three-hour and 42-minute movie, (laughs) uh, it it had an overture, it had an intermission, it had an entract. So it was very much like a theater experience. Um, you know, not live theater, but it was uh, similarly laid out. Uh, I am not sure if they still do that now. Um, I really do not know. I haven't noticed anything like that, but, uh, anyhow, the overture was great. I am not going to say his name correctly. Miklos Rosca, Rosa is the composer. You would think I would know this as a musician, but... And I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Uh, He was a composer. He was an Oscar-winning composer. He actually scored one of my favorite top, one of the top three Alfred Hitchcock movies. As far as I'm concerned, Spellbound with Ingrid Bergman and a very yummy Gregory Peck. Uh, It was an excellent movie. I love that movie. I watched it to death as a kid. That Notorious is another one. Um, But the score was fantastic for that. I even have a piece of sheet music for the themes of Spellbound. uh, And it is very classical. It's romantic it's overwrought almost a little bit 
Um, but it's, it's a beautiful piece of music. But anyway, he did a great job with Ben-Hur. He won an Oscar for it, as well he should have. Uh, apparently, uh, Ben-Hur, the score, is considered his masterpiece. And it is also one of the longest film scores ever composed. And I do while researching this, while I was watching the movie, so I was a little bit online, I saw that there was a book, uh, Ben-Hur, A Film Score Guide. And that's something, I'm going to have to pick that up and maybe I'll discuss it on a later episode. Um, an episode based on uh, scores, maybe. We'll see. Well, you know, we'll see how things go. Uh, anyhow, this was kind of a timely watch. At the moment, it is Christmas. I had a day off from work. I thought it was the perfect time to watch this movie. So it is Christmas time, so it's a timely watch as the movie starts off with Jesus' birth and the star and the three kings. Um, I did think it was funny that after they showed the birth of Jesus and that whole scene, then the titles came up and it said, Ben Heard! I'm like, <laughs> you would actually expect it to say Jesus, but okay. Um, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, but I think that, just looking over my notes, one of the things that struck me, the production value. I mean, I read that the chariot scene itself was a quarter of the budget, and it was like, how many? Fourteen million dollars? Am I correct? I'm looking at my notes here a little bit. Yeah, four million dollars was the chariot race. So if that's a quarter of the budget, my God! And I believe that's based on money back in 1956. So this is a seriously expensive movie, and it occurred to me at one or two points that. Who, who who does this anymore? I mean, there was a couple movies out. I think Troy was a big epic film that did okay. There was one with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon with bad haircuts. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called, but uh, mm, I didn't go to see it. You know, it was kind of... I think the time for epic movies, epi epic period movies like this is past. I... I would love to see. I enjoy them. Like, I've seen The Ten Commandments, which introduced me to Charlton Heston. Uh, you know, I've seen these great movies. Lawrence of Arabia is one of my top ten movies of all time. But I feel like they're kind of going out of style now. Just imagine how much money between the CGI, the set, the costumes. And you'd have to get big names. You couldn't just... You know, get anybody to play in the movie. You'd have to get, you know, Tom Cruise as Julius Caesar. I don't know. But anyhow, that was one of the things that stood out to me was the production value. That was a big one. Uh, the next one was the actual most valuable player of the movie was Esther. She was played... This has been her love interest, and she was played by Haya Hararit, and she was an Israeli actress and screenwriter. Unfortunately, she just died last year, uh, and I didn't remember at all from when I was watching it as a child, uh, but 
she really struck me. I mean, her love for Ben-Hur's family, and she would do anything for Ben-Hur and the family. She went to the leper colony in order to bring food for his mother and his sister. Spoilers, if you haven't seen Ben-Hur, I'm spoiling it. But she really loved them and loved him, and she was very kind. And, you know, she also was influenced by Jesus, but I feel like she was influenced by Jesus later. She always loved Ben-Hur. She would always do things for Ben-Hur and the family. And then Jesus came along. I don't think it was she found Jesus and then she decided to be nice. From the very beginning when she was supposed to marry this other man, at the very beginning of the movie, you could tell she loved Ben-Hur. You could tell that she loved him with all of her heart and she would do anything for her, her father even. I mean, she took very good care of her father when they were in hiding. It was, you know, she was the most valuable player in this movie as far as I was concerned. I mean, the movie should have been called Esther. Let's make a movie about Esther. Uh, she was kind of, you know, 1950s wife material. But no, she was also still just a very kind person. She was... Her character really struck me. Uh, other things that struck me was the homoerotic vibes. They were off the charts. They were off the chart. I was shocked. And, you know, I had always heard about it. But as a kid, you know, I definitely didn't hear about it as a kid. Um, and I wouldn't have noticed. They just seemed great friends. I don't remember what I thought as a child. But now it's like right between the eyes is the most obvious that they are clearly closer than close. And apparently I read an article because I was thinking, how did anybody miss this? Uh, apparently Gore Vidal, who was one of the screenwriters, actually, um, he envisioned a backstory in which Ben-Hur and Masala were lovers. I mean, the side-by-side -side spears on the uh, <laughs> that they threw... It was, it was just very obvious. Um, it was very interesting. And Masala certainly was, uh, when he was angry at Ben-Hur for not being a snitch, uh, by naming names, which was a slight, um, well, I don't think it was a slight swipe. It was definitely a blatant swipe at McCarthyism. Uh, when he... When Ben-Hur decided not to name names, Masala, you know, he took it a little harder than the average person, I think, would. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And, you know, that's what starts all of the problems. I mean, a minor accident creates, you know, <laughs> the worst. It was the worst. Yeah, it was just all bad. It ends well, but you really have to go through it to get to the great stuff. Other things, the music reminded me of Gladiator, the Russell Crowe movie. There's a few moments, especially during the galley slave scene, when they were at war with, you know, they were being attacked. And the ship, you know, there was a big fight and there was some music that reminded me of Hans Zimmer's score. A little bit so obviously Hans was like oh let's put a little bit of uh, Benner and Gladiator and just other cool things like uh, 
when Masala had his chariot, he had the <laughs> the thing on his wheel so he could the knives on his wheel so he could destroy anybody who was in his way. Which that's how we found out that he won all the time until Ben Hur came along. And of course, if you watched the movie Grease with John Travolta and Olivia Newton John, the Grease Lightning uh, scene toward the end during the car race. You know, that's what it was referring back to Ben-Hur. So it was kind of cool. One of the things that I love about old movies is after a point when you go back and you watch the old movies and you're like, oh, this is where this director, you know, got this idea from. And, you know, it's like a little homage to movies that have really made a mark on the American, you know, culture. So very fun. The first time I really noticed it was I finally saw uh, Once Upon a Time in the West years ago. And I just sat down and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is what Quentin Tarantino has been trying to do all along. <laughs> you know, I, I used to say that I don't like Westerns. I don't like Westerns. I don't like Westerns. I love Westerns. When I realized there were three Western movies on my top ten list of movies of all time, I realize I do like Westerns. Anyway, I don't want to run any longer than uh, necessary. Just looking at my notes a little bit more. Uh, and yes, the uh, adjusted for inflation, this movie, Ben-Hur, was the 13th, is the 13th highest grossing, grossing movie of all time. So, it's kind of interesting. Uh... Yeah. Esther is definitely the champion of this movie. It was very it was a very effective and moving movie. I was moved toward the end and did it deserve Oscars? Sure, it definitely did. Does it deserve to be on the list of the greatest movies of all time? Absolutely. Uh definitely. So, I'm very glad that even though I took a long time to get around to it, then I finally went out and saw it. Ben-Hur. Two thumbs up for sure. The next episode will be the movie that I actually first saw. Um, and it is Get Out. It's on the British Film Institute's list. The number, the number 100 movie, Get Out by Jordan Peele. I actually watched that first. I said, well, I've seen it before. I think I could sit through it again and take notes, which I did. And that episode will be coming up in about two weeks. So take a... Uh, definitely subscribe. Definitely follow. If you want to hear my little opinion about Get Out and how much I enjoyed that. And I look forward to doing more this was a longer episode than I ever intended it to be. Other episodes will be shorter, but Ben-Hur was three hours and 42 minutes, <laughs> and it was the first episode. So that's the only reason why this is so long. Don't expect me to ramble on for 20 minutes every episode, because, uh, no, I'm not going to do that to you or myself. So again, my name is Valerie Higgs, and this is my cinematic bucket list. <laughs>